Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai, Turadhamma Ki Jai, Nambhajit Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai, Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai, Gangamaya Jamuna Devi Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Ki Jai, Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai, Salaveta Bhakti Vrindavan Ki Jai, Lord Premanam Ki Jai, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, all glories to Sri Guru and Garanga, all glories to Srila Prabhupada, and all Shambhadai, to Srila Sadhguru, Srimati Bhaktivinata Swami, Nityanaya, Namaste, Saraswati, Pandayam Sri Guru, Sri Jalapadabhama, Sri Guru, Vaishnavamsha, Sri Rupam, Sangajatam, Sadhguru, Samasajivam, Sadvaitam, Sadhguru, Parijanara, Saitam, Krishna, Jaitam, Sri Rata, Krishna, Param, Sadhguru, you're going to be translating? Yes. We're going to do bit by bit. So we thought today we'd look at how to stay enthusiastic and steady in our sadhana for our whole life. I think this is from this morning. So, of course... We all know of somebody, and maybe it's ourselves, who started out chanting 16 rounds every day, and gradually it went down. Or maybe just the quality went down. Or maybe the reading has gone down to a trickle. Or we're getting up at 8 in the morning and rushing through some very small sadhana. Now, even if that isn't, even if none of those things apply to your own situation, I'm sure you know other people to whom this has happened. Or maybe someone's doing everything, but it's just become dry. Just, just become mechanical or ritualistic. So we're going to explore some ways that we can help either ourselves, if this is our situation, or we can help others. And I don't pretend to have all the answers. Uh, but we'll explore some things and hopefully everyone will find something that will either help themselves or help someone else. And if you're just starting in Krishna consciousness, hopefully these will be some ways to help you avoid this sort of pitfall. First, I guess I should tell you a little bit about myself. So, I lived in the Grahasta Ashram for 23 years. Raised three children. And often had other children who went to our school that lived with our family. So sometimes I had between seven to ten children living in my house. And I also took care of the students during the morning program for 17 years. So that means I had somewhere between three to thirty children that I was taking care of every morning at the temple program for 17 years. And since I was a very little girl, my health has not been good. Okay. And I've always chanted my 16 rounds and my three dietaries and read Prabhupada's books, etc. Occasionally, when I've been extremely sick, I've had to make up some rounds. And 
And for probably half to two-thirds of our grahasta life, we lived in our own house, and we had my husband had a job, or he was running a business. And the rest of the time, we lived in temple ashrams. And also, I spent one year as part of my graduate school program, where I worked at a regular job. I was an assistant principal in a government primary school of 450 children. I had to be at work at 7.20 in the morning. And it was, a, it was a very, very intense job. And it was at least twice a month I had to be there from 7.30 in the morning till 9.30 at night. And still I was able to maintain my, ba- at least, at least, basic sadhana. By Krishna's grace. Okay. So that's the background from which I am coming from. So I'm not speaking theoretically. I would say the first thing is hearing, 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 and more hearing. Because hearing reminds us what's really important. And this is true even in material endeavors. If you want to accomplish something in the material world, you also have to keep hearing about how important it is. It's like ordinary people in school. They're always told, you've got to be a success. You've got to make money. You've got to get good grades. Uh, so therefore people aren't enthused. When we're regularly hearing from the scriptures and we're regularly hearing the classes of the devotees, we think, yes, I really want to do this. Also, when we hear about Krishna, we think, I'd really like to get to know him. I'd really like a relationship with him. That's what I want. And then we think, of course I want to chant his names. And and worship his form. (laughs) It just becomes natural. Now, how to hear? Well, one thing is be creative. Now, one thing we're very fortunate to have in English is recordings of people reading all of Prabhupada's books. Now, I notice you have a devotee who reads from Prabhupada's books every day here at Prasadam. Maybe somebody could put a microphone next to his mouth. If you don't already have recordings in Croatian. And it's very easy, you're driving in the car, you're ironing your clothes, you're cooking, whatever. You can be listening to Prabhupada's books from audio recordings. I know of one devotee who had fallen from spiritual practices. And one day he found some recordings of somebody reading all the verses from Chaitanya Charitamrita. He had the kind of job where he had to spend a lot of time in his car. And 
But every time he would listen to some to, in order to the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And he'd hear it again and again and again. And he became enthusiastic again to practice Krishna consciousness. I know many children of devotees who today are practicing Krishna consciousness. Simply because every day when they went to sleep, their parents would read them stories about Krishna. That, that was the only spiritual practice they had. But when they grew up, they decided they wanted to be devotees. Now we read about uh, my god sister Ladini Shakti, who passed away years ago in Africa. She had a book in various places where she worked. A Bhagavad Gita over here, a Nectar Devotion over there, a Bhagavatam over there. And every time she'd walk from one room to another, she'd open up the book and read at least one or two sentences. And that way she had read all the books over and over again. Or you can try taking a vow of reading. You can say, I'm going to read either for a certain amount of time or a certain amount, or just say, I'm going to read something. Five minutes, or one verse, or one page, or whatever is suitable for you. We'll talk a little later about vows. You might get together with a group to study. In many parts of the world, devotees have weekly or twice monthly meetings where they're studying certain books. Somehow to make it part of your life. I would also suggest that you hear both books and lectures. There's a lot in Prabhupada's books that he doesn't talk about much in lectures. A lot of very advanced topics. And then there's a certain flavor to lectures that you don't get in books. We can think about Queen Rukmini. When she was just a young princess, she had never met Krishna. She had just heard about him. And just by hearing about him, she decided, I have to marry Krishna. Or Dhruva Maharaj. He just heard from his mother that if you go to Krishna, he'll solve all of your problems. And just from that hearing, he became so determined. So then I want to go to something that I think is very important. And that is to celebrate whatever we do right. Instead of focusing on what we do wrong. Just like a little child learning how to walk. You know, at first maybe they stand up holding on to something. Just for a couple seconds. They get so excited. After a while they can stand up without holding on to something. And they get so excited. Even though they just stand up for a couple seconds. Then boom, they fall down. <laughs> then maybe they take one step. And they're so excited. And again they fall down. It may take weeks or months 
before they can actually walk. And even then, it's a very awkward kind of walking. <laughs> and they're falling all the time. But you see, the baby is focusing on what they're doing right. And so is everyone else in the household. Nobody says, oh, my baby tried to walk, but she fell down ten times. They say, guess what? My baby stood up for two seconds today. Also, there's a certain principle the scientists call the pleasure principle. If something gives us pleasure, we'll tend to do it over and over again. And if something gives us pain, we tend to avoid it. If every time you chant, you think, oh, I didn't chant very well, then you'll be giving yourself pain. And then after a while, you won't want to chant. I once was talking to one lady whose japa had gone down. And I realized that every time she chanted, she was feeling bad about the quality or quantity of her chanting. And I said to her, how many rounds have you chanted today? Now listen carefully to her answer. She, she said, I have four rounds left. What was she saying? Only the negative. Instead of saying, I chanted 12 rounds, she said, I have four rounds left. I said, no wonder you don't want to chant. You're emotionally associating chanting with feelings of guilt. So whatever you're doing right, celebrate that. That's actually what will please Krishna. Just like the parents are pleased that the baby is happy at its progress. Right? When the baby stands up for two seconds and is all excited, that makes the parents very happy. Could you imagine when the, when the baby falls down, they just sit there and go, <laughs> That's not what the parents want. So whatever you do right, celebrate that. And whatever sadhana you do, relish it. Make it deep. If it starts to become mechanical, make some change. Because whatever we do, the mind becomes accustomed to it. So you might change the place that you chant, or the kind of meditation that you're doing. And really try to relish your sadhana. As far as possible, avoid doing something mechanical. Of course, mechanical is better than nothing. <laughs> There's value just in doing the externals. It says in the Bhagavatam that even where the holy name is chanted negligently, there will not be any inauspicious influences. Uh, but really try to relish. Uh, we can see that this applies even in our material relationships. Uh, you, when you're with the, your friends or your family, you don't want just to take them for granted. How much more with Krishna? Now I'm going to tell you something from some scientific empirical studies. 
about what helps people to develop determination. One of them is laughter. Scientific studies that the more you laugh, the higher your level of determination and willpower. Don't know why. Another scientific finding is that determination and willpower is very much like physical strength. You can build it up gradually. The more austerity you do, the greater your capacity for austerity. And for a materially conditioned soul, sadhana is austerity. You have to have some determination. I am going to chant my 16 rounds today. I am going to read today. Prabhupada was asked, how do you get determination? Prabhupada said, that determination comes by doing tapasya. Austerity increases your ability to be determined. It's like it makes your muscles strong. But you want to build up gradually. Now Bhaktivinoda gives a suggestion. He says you should take vows first for a short amount of time, then gradually for longer and longer periods of time. He suggests first three days, then one month, then four months. Now I would suggest you could even break it down further than that. You could do three days, two weeks, one month, then three months. I personally found that system to be very helpful. And then at the end of each time, you evaluate how you've been doing. You decide if that particular vow is working for you. If you want to take it again, or if you want to make, or if you want to make some adjustment. Like you could take a vow, I'm going to read at least one page in Bhagavad Gita every day. And you do that for three days. And then you say, oh, that worked really well. Oh, that didn't work very well. I think I'd rather make it ten minutes. Or I want to make it at least one verse. Or I think I'd rather read Krishna book than Bhagavad And when you find vows that work for you, then you do them for like three, four months at a time. And then again you renew them. And that's a lot easier than lifetime vows. It's easier on the mind. Uh, so if you're having trouble with attentive japa, you can say next three days all of my japa is going to be very attentive. And then do for a week. And that can be either for getting rid of bad habits or for having good habits. Uh, this is very, very effective. Uh, we could also talk about uh, specifically how to get rid of bad habits. Should we talk about that? Let me see if there's any more about the studies. 
Uh, the other thing about the studies about willpower is to focus on your goals. Not just on the immediate temptations. But what am I trying to accomplish? Okay, we can talk a little bit now about habits. So all of us have certain habits. Just like notice which sock you put on first. We probably all have a habit that we put a sock on a particular foot for first. Or the way you brush your teeth. We probably do it the same way each time. So you want to make your sadhana part of your life. And that may mean also getting rid of some bad habits. We're going to look at eight ways to get rid of bad habits. Now, Krishna uses all of these. They all work. Uh, but some of them work better than others, and some of them work better in different situations. Okay, so if we have a bad habit that's interfering with our practice of Krishna consciousness, the first method is to destroy the situation. Uh, just like uh, if you have a dirty house, you just burn down your house. <laughs> this solution is very good in some circumstances. Quitting a job, moving to another city, never talking to a certain person again, pulling the plug of the television, going to the nearest window, and throwing it out the window. Windows are the best place for television sets. Anyway, there are some cases when just destroying the situation is the best way to deal with a bad habit. Sometimes it's not practical. Okay, the next way, the second way, is punishment. Okay. You do something wrong and then you punish yourself. Okay. The problem with punishment is it happens after you've done the thing that's wrong. And so there's no way to fix it anymore. And usually it just makes you feel bad and depressed and guilty. Although Krishna does use punishment. But it seems it's only effective in a very few cases. Generally, if we use punishment too much, it just makes us want to avoid dealing with the whole thing. Okay, the third way is called negative reinforcement. That's the second you're doing the bad habit, you have some negative uh, consequence. Now, sometimes that's hard to do for yourself. <laughs> sometimes it's easier to do if you're trying to train somebody else's bad habit. You know, as soon as somebody's talking nonsense, you just don't respond and you walk away. And if they talk about Krishna, you come back and talk to them. Okay, so then the fourth way is called shaping the absence of the behavior. Whenever shaping the absence of the behavior. 
That's whenever you don't do the bad thing, you give yourself a reward. If you go a whole day without prajapa, you give yourself something that you like. Maybe if you go five minutes with, without doing something wrong, you give yourself something you like. It can even just be saying, wow, I went for five minutes without spacing it. Okay, that's the fourth. The fifth one is called extinction. You don't do anything, you just wait for it to go away. For example, with little children, uh, little babies crawling around and making noises, you don't have to do anything, they'll grow out of it. Or when a man and woman, when they're first about to get married and they're completely in love, and they're often creating a disturbance in the devotee community. Because they're always going, ah. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything. It will go away. <laughs> so, some of our bad habits will just go away by the process of Krishna consciousness. Okay. Then, this is something very interesting. Again, Krishna uses all of these in the material world. This is called putting the bad habit on cue. You know what cue is? Like a signal? We do this with children. You say, right now at school, you have to sit and be quiet. Okay, now it's playtime, you can run and scream. Right, we ring a bell. Running and screaming time. So you find this in all the scriptures of the world. If you want to have, you know, take intoxication, you can offer the wine in this circumstance, in this circumstance, in this circumstance. You want to eat meat, you can offer this kind of animal to this demigod. You want to have sex, you get married, and you wait for this time, like that. So you can, if you have some bad habit, you can say, I will only do this at 6 o'clock at night. For 15 minutes. Or like if your mind is disturbing you during japa, you can say to your mind, when we finish our rounds, then I'll sit down for 10 minutes and think about all these things. Then you have to actually do it. Okay? Or I know one person who is really having a problem with reading uh, mundane things. So she decided, after I finish all my rounds, and I do at least four hours of service, then I can read these things. Well, many days that didn't happen until 8 o'clock at night. By that time she wasn't interested anymore. And she told me her reading of mundane things went down by to one one-hundredth of what it had been before. But it, was, it wasn't a struggle anymore. Because she could just say to her mind, no problem, we can do it at this time. So when you do your bad habit on a signal, then you gradually give the signal less and less until you don't give it anymore at all. Uh, and by that time you become accustomed to giving up the bad habit.
Another is called to train an incompatible behavior. Like let's say you're skipping part of the mantra when you chant. Then if you say that part louder, you can't skip it. You give yourself a good habit that makes the bad habit impossible. And the last one and the deepest one is you find out what is your need that is driving you to do that bad habit. And you find a positive way to satisfy that need. Just like all of us need some time for rest and relaxation. Uh, Krishna says those who are temperate in their habits of eating, sleeping, working, and recreation can mitigate all pains by practice of the yoga system. So if we don't give ourselves positive kinds of recreation, then we will end up doing negative kinds. So we talked about how to get rid of bad habits. But we also want to establish good habits. Just like the way we brush our teeth. We want to make our practice of Krishna consciousness a part of our routine life. Which, of course, is what Prabhupada did with the morning program. And what we read about the six Goswamis. Now, this is an important point. Make that, if you're doing your sadhana in your home, make it something that you are going to be able to do every day. There's no use of a perfect program that you're not actually going to do. Find what you're actually going to do. Maybe the best time to get together with the family for kirtan is in the evening. But work out something that will work for you. This, this also has to do with being creative in general. Just like Prabhupada as a householder would chant four rounds at four different times during the day. I find many times women are saying to me, oh, now that I have a baby, it's so difficult to chant my rounds. And I often wonder if they're trying to chant their rounds like some sage in the forest. If they think chanting their rounds means you have to sit completely still. And you chant all 16 rounds without moving. You can't open your eyes. You can't see if your child is, you know, falling off the table. I think if they think that they have to chant like that, then I can understand they cannot chant their rounds. Or like I've heard devotees say, oh, you should never um, stop a round in the middle and then you should always just finish the whole round at one time. You know, but sometimes your child is about to play with a glass jar and you have to just go and take care of it. So you work with the situation that you have. We think about the Brahmin who was meditating on doing service for Krishna. You all know that story? He was very poor. But, but he wanted to offer Krishna many opulent things. 
And he, and he heard that if you offer something in your mind, Krishna will also accept it. So every day for many, many years, he would go into a trance. He'd meditate about going to the Jamuna and the Ganga and getting some water. And doing service for Krishna, offering RT. Dressing Krishna in the best silks. Jewelry. And one day in his mind he'd made some sweet rice. And he wanted to see if it had cooled down enough to offer to Krishna. But when he touched it in his meditation, he actually burnt his physical finger. Then, then Krishna and Vaikuntha started laughing. And he sent an airplane to get him. Right. Uh, we find a Shridhar, our godbrother Sridhar Maharaj did this when he was in prison. Uh, he imagined that there are the deities. And yeah, he and other devotees were put in prison. And they would do an imaginary arti. So be creative. Find ways to do your sadhana in the situation that you have. Another thing is to put the most important things in life first. Now, I wish I could physically demonstrate this for you. So I'm going to suggest that you do this at home. Do it outside. So get, get a jar, some kind of container, and have some medium-sized rocks, some little tiny pebbles, and some sand. And first fill the jar about halfway filled with sand. Then put in little rocks about three-quarters full. And then try to put in medium-sized rocks in. Then take everything out. Put the medium-sized rocks in first. Then the little pebbles. And then the sand. And let me know what happens. If you do the most important things first, you'll find you have much more time to do other things. And you'll also find that some things never really need to get done. You'll never have time to do everything anyway. Unless you want to come back life after life to get everything done on your list. So put, put the most important things first. We spend so much time taking care of our body, our mind, our emotions, our relationships. Why not also spend time taking care of ourselves? I remember talking to one devotee who let her spiritual practices go. And I, I noticed she was always dressed very nicely. I said, how much time do you spend getting ready in the morning? She said, at least one hour. I said, how much time do you spend just on your makeup? At least 15 minutes. I said, then give Krishna at least as much time as you spend on your makeup. If you put Krishna first, he will take care of you. He really will. Krishna very much reciprocates. 
Don't think that if I put Krishna first, how will I make enough money? Krishna's maintaining us. We're not being maintained by our work. I mean, so many people in the world work hard and they don't have anything. And many people don't work and they have money. We should do some honest work. Prabhupada said not more than eight hours a day. Do honest work not more than eight hours a day. And then you be satisfied with whatever Krishna gives. Instead of deciding what lifestyle you want, and then sacrificing everything to work hard to get it. Do some honest labor according to your propensities. And then live a lifestyle that is in harmony with whatever Krishna gives you. Because there's a little secret. How much material happiness we're going to get in this life is already destined. So if you try to increase it in one way, it will simply be decreased in another way. You may be able to work and make more money, but then either you'll enjoy it less, you'll be so busy working you won't have any time to enjoy it, or something will take it away. There'll be some unexpected expenses. <laughs> uh, so do honest labor and be satisfied with what Krishna gives. And always put Krishna first. Put him first, he'll put you first. If you make it a principle of life, and then you'll see Krishna will take care of you. Say, well, he might not take care of you. But even if you try to take care of yourself, it may not work. <coughs> there could be a fire or earthquake and you could lose everything. Or you could get in a car crash and be in the hospital. Uh, people who don't surrender to Krishna, sometimes, you know, they lose things. <laughs> We're not really in control of that anyway, are we? Uh, so just accept that. Do my duty. If Krishna wants to give, he'll give. If he doesn't want to give, he won't give. And then I may have to live at a lower standard of living than I might like. But I'll be very peaceful and happy. And very satisfied. Which is the whole point of having a nice standard of living anyway. Otherwise, maybe I'll have a higher standard of living. But I'll always be in fear and anxiety. <coughs> Another thing is how you allocate your energy. Every day we start off with a certain amount of energy. And you decide how much am I going to give just to my sadhana. If you can't get all your if you can't get all your sadhana done in the morning, make sure you conserve some energy for later in the day. Now my suggestion is that you sort of mentally allocate how much energy you're going to give to each of your responsibilities during the day. And 
And whenever you're doing something, do that with full attention. It's not that when you're doing one thing, you're worrying about your job. And then it's not when you're chanting your job, but you're worrying about your other responsibilities. You can think of how much energy you have every day like a pie. And how much you're giving to each of your tasks for the day. Then you may have some tasks you just do once a week. And you know, I've given this amount of energy for each task. Then with each thing you're doing, you can be peaceful. I was taught this many years ago when I started teaching. And I found it extremely helpful. Okay, we may also, when we do this, try to structure our life so that our sadhana is easy. But I'm going to give you a little warning about that. You will never have the perfect situation. Don't think, if I live in the ashram, then it will be perfect. If I move out of the ashram, then it will be perfect. If I could get married, then it will be perfect. If I could get divorced, then it would be perfect. <laughs> if I have children, then it will be perfect. When my children grow up, then it will be perfect. If I could just go to Vrindavan, then it would be perfect. There will always be some impediment in this world. So my suggestion is put 10% of your energy into trying to make a good situation. And 90% of your energy into being Krishna conscious in whatever situation you have. And then another thing that came out in the scientific study is that the food that you eat determines how determined you are. If the brain is not getting enough energy, it's very hard to be determined. So sometimes drinking a little fruit juice will actually help you to be determined. Uh, to be regulated. Another thing they found in scientific studies about determination is that each of us have a certain amount of, say, how would you say, willpower strength. Like we were talking about how much energy you have during the day. We each have a certain amount of physical strength. If I use up too much of my strength in the morning, then I'm exhausted in the afternoon. We also have a certain amount of austerity strength. If you do too much austerity in one area, you won't have anything left for any other area. You can only deprive yourself so much. So make sure that most of the service you're doing for Krishna are things that you enjoy. Have fun things you're doing in Krishna service. I don't have too many hardships. Now this goes along with the fact that you can build up your capacity for determination. So be aware of how much capacity you have now. 
use that for the most important things. And by, by taking vows for a gradually greater amount of time, you can build up your capacity. And of course, the one everybody knows is your association. Associate with other people who have the same goals that you do. When you say, I need to finish my japa, they'll respect that. A people who also have their spiritual life as something very important to them. And avoid associating with people who are going to think that material goals are more important. And this also means in the television and the movies. Uh, we think about the value of association. When Narada Muni was a child, he associated with sadhus just for four months. And from that he became a pure devotee. Now the last thing I'm going to mention is don't think so much in terms of balancing material and spiritual. See everything in relation to Krishna. Don't think, well, this is my sadhana time and this is my material duties. Make everything spiritual. Offer your work to Krishna. Offer your recreation to Krishna. Your family time. Your study. Whatever you're doing, connect it with then even the so-called ordinary things of your life will enthuse you in your sadhana. Okay, so we looked about doing lots of hearing, maybe being creative about how you hear, celebrating what we do right, relishing the sadhana that we do, not doing it mechanically, spending time laughing, putting the most important things first, allocating our energy for our different tasks, focusing on your long-term goals, being creative in general, taking vows to build up our willpower, developing good habits, getting rid of bad habits, <coughs> having good association, um, allocating our willpower appropriately, eating the right foods and being regulated about eating, and seeing everything as connected with Krishna. Okay, so it's getting late. I hope I've said at least one thing that was helpful to everybody. Some of you might find some of these suggestions helpful and some of you will find some of them not so helpful. The main thing is to find something that works for you. Of course, in the process of spiritual advancement, we will all get to a point where we really experience Krishna in our sadhana bhakti. And then nothing would be able to stop us. <laughs> like Prabhupada said, how do you know your... Prabhupada was asked, how do you know if you're chanting good quality japa? And he said, when 16 rounds isn't enough, when you want to chant 16,000 rounds.
So when we get to that point, then we don't need to be worry about any of these things. So we could take maybe five minutes of questions. Prabhupada liked it when devotees read from the books while they were taking prasad. Thank you. <coughs> that was a very good question. Anything else? It's interesting how in our life Krishna puts us in different situations and it is on us how we will react and then he will It has its advantages and its disadvantages like everything else. So the advantages is obviously your children can have association with other devotees. If you live really close, it's easy for people to share care of the children. It's easier to have joint projects and programs. And if it's a community where people have shared values, then you have a lot of support for the values you're trying to teach your children. If there's not shared values, then it can be a big problem. Because you may not have a television, but your devotee neighbor might have a television. Just like my children have told me that it was the other devotee parents who showed them movies. And said, don't tell your parents. It wasn't the other children, it was the other parents. So this can be a problem. Because you feel very safe. You think, oh, everybody's devotees. I'll just let my children be unsupervised. So that can, that can be a disadvantage. 
But if you can have shared values, it's a huge advantage. I have about a one to two hour seminar on that. So maybe we could arrange that for tomorrow, I don't know. I can give you a 30 second summary. <laughs> Stories. Loving relationships, positive emotional experiences connected with the practices of Krishna consciousness, and as soon as the children become 11 to 14 years old, positive engagement on an adult level in the society. Say those are the four most important. And if you do even one of them well, you'll probably be successful. Okay, thank you very much. It's nice to be back in Zagreb. All glories to Shiva.